Hello, and welcome to tonight's episode of The Great Spooky Showdown. That's right. The Great Movie Showdown is having its first ever Halloween spooktacular special. We've got Matt Smith, Will Goodnow, and special spooky guest, Blake Smith. Hello. Great time to have you spooky me. <laughs> Matt, it's okay. Right. It's just a podcast. There's nothing oh, okay. to get afraid of. <laughs> So uh, today, we're just uh, today's kind of a different, a different weird episode. We're just sort of round robin, kind of talking about spooky, uh, spooky movies, how they affected us, and um, you know, just kind of chill, talk about spooky stuff. I guess Matt, you wanna, you wanna kind of set us up? Yeah, let me grab something out of the cooler real quick. Matt's pulling the Jesus. body parts. Jesus! I thought he pulled like a file cabinet. Uh, well, Matt <laughs> fishes through. through Got to get into my horror files Blake, here. Come on, Blake. Yeah, hold on. I wanted to. I wanted to keep going with what we were talking about off mic. Kind of carried over into the podcast, which was the the first time I saw this movie, uh, Green Room. Me and Blake were talking about it literally just before we asked Zach to hit record for anybody listening. Green Room uh, was. Uh, I want to say a mid-aughts film, like 2000. I think it was like 2016. Yeah, like it wasn't that far, right? 2016. And what hooked me was Patrick Stewart as a neo-Nazi, and he's trying to kill Anton Yelkin and his friends because they saw something bad. And that's it. I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys, except for one thing that Blake mentioned. And I'll never forget watching this film – and you, you just the tension is building, you know, that they're locked in this room. Um, that's literally why it's called green room. Cause everybody who any, anybody who knows anything about entertainment, all the artists are always kept in the green room before they go on stage or wherever. So like they're kept in the green room and the Nazis are locking them in there, but now it's their, ch- the band's trying to get out. And I'm sitting there with my mom who I've always watched like films like the exorcist. Uh, what else did I watch? First time I watched Jeepers Creepers, things like that. I was watching with my mom Whoa. and, she kind of got me into horror because the first horror film that I actually watched and I wasn't allowed to watch, but she just let me watch it was Leprechaun and I just refused (laughs) to go to bed. Yeah. I refused to go to bed and I was like maybe five or six and she goes, well, fuck it. You're just going to be here now. (laughs) So, and it didn't scar me for life, at least not in the way anybody would have expected. And so we're watching green room and it gets to that moment where they're trying to get out. Anton Yelkin's character literally has the gun, but one of the Nazis is like, clearly grabbed it through the door and you can't see what's going on but you're just hearing these very loud thuds and you're seeing anton yelchin's character scream bloody murder and you know what's happening but you don't want to see it and then he pulls back he gets his arm back through the door and you see it oh god and it's like like blake i love the way you put it man you gotta he's like pause do i no. want to keep watching this movie literally just guys tell me like there have only been like two times since i've been watching <laughs> movies where i've like stopped and been like i don't want to keep doing this from like a a, a a fear or a sort of being upset perspective the first time was i saw funny games the american remake and i was oh. like this is kind of too much again i pushed through and glad i did but then this time i was watching this and when he his the hand is going i was like i this might be too much holy holy <laughs> shit and again Continued. So glad I did because it's a fantastic film. But that's that's definitely a moment that that sticks with you when you see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, Matt, did you get all situated? Yeah. So um, basically, for this episode, what we're doing is it's kind of like spur of the moment. We didn't really put too much thought 
we do not have a bracket this time. It's just basically we all brought up movies that we want to talk about. And I'm noticing that there's like a lot of movies that are like popular horror movies that we don't have on the list. Like Nightmare. There's a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Like Scream, uh, like Saw, even Paranormal Activity is not on the list. Oh, yeah. I almost put on Paranormal Activity when I put on Blair Witch because I was like, that's like, you know, Blair Witch kind of started the found footage. Paranormal Activity really re-energized it. Whenever well, I out. saw I saw a really good video um, essay on it. Um, I think it was, I believe I'm not 100 percent on it, but I think it was a wisecrack video that like the the great nature of paranormal activity and its setup. And Blake, I'm sure you're going to agree with this, is that it does borrow the everything that was set up in the Blair Witch, like just the found footage style and how like nothing really needs to happen. It's just people being themselves within the frame. Nothing's like showy, but then. It also kind of plays catch point too because then it takes the element of like think of like poltergeist in that house and the family setup. You get like all the introduction of all the rooms and like it's this whole family and they live on this beautiful suburbia. Paranormal activity keeps you in the house and it's a bland house. It's not very yep. it's not even like a it doesn't have all these rooms. It doesn't have like a long hallway. It's kind of just boring esque. I mean, literally, it's very middle class house. And it's like I said, it's just bland to begin with, and then all this horrific shit starts happening. And till the end, it's kind of like it's a very uh, <laughs> they would call it like millennial horror almost because <laughs> it's it's very of its time. It was very shoestring, quite literally. But also, what it was showing is this is a bit of a stretch. This is the one thing I didn't agree with, but I see where they were going with it. Is it was like this film that was meant to almost represent the housing bubble that even people's homes aren't safe and shit. It's society's anxieties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really interesting oh. interpretation of like. The societal anxiety of like our homes aren't safe anymore. And it's like, okay, well I, f- I feel like parallel. what they did a really great job of, um I think it's done a lot with the the found footage, especially because a lot of found footage stuff tends to be shoestring budget, but mm-hmm. Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, it was just sort of taking the the classic horror concept of the unseen is scarier than the scene and taking it, you know, to its for this conclusion of you really, like Will said, like not too much have, especially in Blair Witch, you're not seeing like the witch and monsters and stuff like that. You're just seeing these people being afraid. You're kind of getting the atmosphere of the woods. In Paranormal Activity, most of what's going on, if my memory serves, is like invisible, especially I remember in Paranormal Activity 2, a lot of just things will occur and there's that that fear of the unseen, that fear of the unknown, and you're seeing it all from a uh, recording device that, very that kind of tricks your brain sort of blurs that distinction between entertainment and reality and i think the uh like you mentioned the housing choice also does that you're not seeing this normal you know really interesting decorated uh, you know artsy made up house that you'd see in like normal movie it's your basic bland stucco job out in california whatever no big deal and you see these horrific things happen inside of it and i think it can really push that that real sort of relationship you would have with the screen an extra layer because it takes away the varnish that you have in a traditional horror film yep absolutely yeah i mean the house felt very real very like you could see oh that's my neighbor's house exactly clean it's like kind of messy (laughs) whatever Mm -hmm. like yeah and that's when did when did that 
when did that first one come out? Because I remember, I think the budget was something like ten thousand dollars, and then yeah, it ended it was, up making like they over shot it in million. the director's house. That was his house. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, with horror, it's already usually pretty shoestringy, but to get that kind of a return, it's pretty incredible. And then yeah. what it did. The but year it again, came out was two thousand seven. By the way, Zach, keep going. Okay. I yeah. Said that. And then um. <laughs> What was it? I haven't seen all of them. I've seen like a few of them interspersed. One of them I think I saw with you, Matt. Which one? It was the one with the girl and like it was a lot of the MacBook webcam. That was probably four because I remember yeah. I saw I only I seen so. three and four. And I saw three and four with some friends and I remember we were pretty scared. Yeah, I think I that was the why. first one that I saw. I remember and, liking remember. three because it was like the period piece. Like that was, yeah, it was, it was like, like the eighties or whatever. Or yeah, the oh 90s. yeah, yeah. I remember. Okay, th- so I remember I thinking that one. was fun. All I remember is that we we came back and we were all grown men and we shared the same bed. <laughs> oh man, oh yeah, there was nothing gay. I'm pretty sure we're all close. Like not like, not like there's anything wrong with me. Yeah, better not have been, Matt. <laughs> I have no better not have been. Say that ginger ass for me. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> Both of the men that I shared a bed, bed with were very big. The beds, maybe like a queen size, maybe a king size. I don't even know. But hey, that's so, not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about <laughs> Welcome movies. to the great what men? The great spooky uh, showdown. Matt Man booty showdown. Anyway, great sweaty showdown. Hey, showdown. we weren't even supposed to talk about paranormal activity. I just said how it wasn't in the list, and then you guys talked about it. I was about to like wait for you guys to stop talking. I was like, well, I lied. We, I guess, we are talking about it. Oh, spooky. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But okay. you know, one of the frustrating things about those was that they are a really slow burn. Like, oh, the, the slowest of slow burn. A spooky thing happening, which, from a narrative stamp, like you've got to you've got to want to be spooked to get all the way through these. Well, just to give you an idea, Zach, like if you want to talk about slow burn, the first paranormal activity, like, I shit you not, mm-hmm. I went and saw it with once again. I saw it with my mom, my sister, my older brother, and I think my my sister and my older brother fell asleep. Halfway really? through the movie, they just fell asleep in paranormal activity because they just they wanted to be spooked. But once the film just didn't give you that like real fright, you know, it, it just it, you have to wait. It's all in the back end. Yeah, I don't the, remember the first one super well, so maybe there were long ones. I remember the second one, it being slow burn in the beginning, but kind of around the middle, it really started to kind of oh, the first I've been one. having a lot of like scare after scare yeah the first one i just know like it definitely was slow burn and i appreciated what they were doing with such literally almost no budget so like i I appreciated it It was it was a fun movie i I still whenever it's on i enjoy it but yeah i understand all the criticisms of like the paranormal franchise of like there it's just not you're just waiting around for to see something happen like you're 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 not Mm -hmm. so much immersed in it so much as you're you're watching it which is home video Part of what I think made um, Blair Witch especially wait, wait, are we talking about um, Adam Wingard's remake or the original? The the original. Okay, okay, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Um, uh, what played with it was not just the film. It's like when you see Paranormal Activity, you kind of know you're watching Paranormal Activity. But 
um, Blair Witch when it came out, and everyone pointed to this, was one of the first real like viral viral kind of marketing campaigns saying like, oh, this is yes. this is real footage. Oh. I remember, remember I, the History Channel documentaries that came out about the Blair Witch Legends and stuff, all fake, by the way, but they made it yep. so realistic. Anyway, keep it was, going, Blake. It was an incredible way. And I remember when I first saw it was probably like the early 2000s. Like I had like a, a VHS or DVD or something of it. And I watched it with a couple of my friends who had never heard of it before. I had seen it before and I loved it, but I knew it was all fake. But I was like, hey, here's my chance to kind of play with that because they hadn't heard of it. And so I told them, I was like, yeah, no, this is like a real thing. I showed them like a a fake thing. And I was like, yeah, you know, it has like Lionsgate over there just because they like did the distribution. But no, this is all like these people things. And so (laughs) even though there isn't that much going on, I had so much fun watching my two like friends be totally like terrified the whole fucking time. Because they're like, what what could really happen here? You're really coming close to this very serious like true murder in front of you (laughs) (laughs) it's like a cannibal holocaust it kind of reminds me of when uh when like the marble hornet stuff was in its prime and it was that whole level of it's so weird but you don't know like how it's presented you're not sure if this is like really weird stuff going on or if it is just this fake indie thing going on like in the very early bit (laughs) is there going to be a murder hornets movie (laughs) once you once you get a ways into it you're like okay this is clearly just a narrative thing yeah but it's it's cool when you're in that that early space of oh slender man is it real is it not spooky whatever and i remember our friend uh blake different blake um he was really into that whole craze and kind of (laughs) Sort of jump onto it. I remember Matt Blake and I playing like we would meet up at my house every other night and play Slender, trying to get so all much eight pages. <laughs> I missed that game. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, Matt, it's still out there. You can still download it for free and get spooked. Matt, did you want to go ahead and uh, let everybody who's going to be listening with ramble on for a little bit, at least give them our uh, our pointers, our uh, what we're going to be discussing going forward? Because we kind of been open discussing, but I know you 14 have. 14 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're like kind of shooting the shit, but we have like some questions that we can go around and ask exactly. everybody yeah. and have them, have them answer. And then after that, we have like a list of like 40 some movies. And we're just going <laughs> to. Sitting the Google wheel, we're going to hit random, and if it lands on that number, we're going to talk about that movie, and we'll just do that. Or we're just going to talk about paranormal activity. I love that. (laughs) We'll just do that until like it's been too long, and then we'll stop it, and then we'll be like, guys, any other movies on the list that you that we haven't talked about? And then we'll we'll maybe like Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) (laughs) Andy Dufresne crawled through a river of shit. We got our first question going around around the horn. Uh, Favorite horror film? Oh, I want Zach to go first. Zach, give us your favorite horror movie. Okay, so I was never really super into horror. It always kind of it didn't really appear to uh, appeal to me until um, until pretty recently when I watched a film and. This was the film that I watched that made me go, okay, I can see the value in horror <laughs> and suspense and fear and all of that and the the narrative sense and storytelling and all that and kind of made me want to look more into horror films. Um, and that was It Follows. Oh, uh, yeah. Ooh. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. 
fucking love that movie. Expound upon that, Zach. Don't be afraid. So what I really like, and there are people that are like, oh, this movie's all wrong in all these different ways and whatever. Like, that's cool. Whatever. I mean, don't get an ulcer, please. Yeah, they're wrong, but continue. But <laughs> it's, it's one of those where it doesn't drown you in exposition and all this stuff about the monster. It's like all the exposition happens within the course of like two and a half minutes. Yep. And that's all you need to know what this monster does, how it, how it kills people, why it, I mean, sort of why it does it, I guess. It's not super clear, but that's what makes it spooky. Don't over explain your freaking monster. Just let it Truth. be spooky. Let us like try and figure it out and be like, oh, why does it do that? Why, why, why? Just yep. let it be spooky. And for pretty much all of it follows, it's pretty freaking spooky not just and that. scary. Not even that. This film, more than any to me, because I'll take it back. Guillermo del Toro oh. like, always loves to talk about his monsters, but the one thing he is consistent with, he says, you know, your monster's only going to be so good for so long. And if it's not changing throughout the course of the film, right. if it's not doing something differently, behaviorally or visually, you're you're kind of just relying on one gimmick and it's never going to work. And it's kind of like the Christopher Nolan thing when he talked about like what made the Joker so great is the Joker so great because you never know what he's going to do next. And the villain is only as good as if he keeps winning. And that's the thing that mm-hmm. it follows is it literally sets all those standards. It takes everything that Guillermo del Toro was talking about, Christopher Nolan was talking about and it just makes it that much better is that this monster literally does change every time you fucking see it. (laughs) And it is always right up somebody's ass, dude. Like it is right up on you. You think, Oh, well Mm -hmm. it's just walking. Yeah. Every time they think they're safe, they've got a good safe distance. And then it's constantly winning, dude. Like to me, and since we've all seen it, we can go ahead and spoil it. I don't care. The (laughs) The ending was so great because they had this elaborate plan to lure it into this pool and then it just starts picking up those same objects and throw them in the fucking pool at, at our main girl. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so for this monster. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. I love it. It's not stupid. You know what I mean? It's just it's just constant. It just keeps moving. It doesn't care who's in its way. What That's right. what this I love so much. Slowly, this is a slowly pacing train that is unstoppable. Yeah. Right. That, that's the thing. It's that it just doesn't end. So it, it really taps into that those feelings of weighted anxiety, guilt, anything like that, where there's just mm-hmm. something that no matter how much, you know, physical distance, emotional distance you can put between it, it's, it's always coming. coming up behind yep. you. It's all, there's right. always going to be there. You can't completely take your mind off it. Even if you get away to that beachy, whatever place they went to where they're like, Oh cool. We're definitely far enough away. At some point you can just see in the very right. background, it starts to kind of just to make your close. Point about, like, the film doesn't bog you down in exposition just to make your point Zach, because it's an excellent point mm-hmm. for this film in particular is when they go and find the guy that originally slept with her and got everybody this whole movie started yeah. they're talking for like a couple of minutes and then immediately the film reminds you like oh wait that thing's still coming and he freaks out because he sees like this girl who's like yeah. a or something like that so the film's constantly keeping you on edge it's never just going to keep let characters keep talking without mm-hmm. making you feel unsafe it's like well you're standing still you should be going somewhere <laughs> and it's, it's a great. cool setting too having it, it it feels it a lot of it you have that fun I, where where does it take place i think this is like detroit. detroit yeah so all the parents i guess work overnights everyone's <laughs> parents work overnights apparently because you rarely see any parents the film's basically shot at like kid container height cell phones though some weird technology <laughs> yeah i was kind yeah. of confused about that um 
I wasn't sure if maybe that was some weird product placement that they used to fund the movie. I think it was like maybe... a weird sort of aesthetic blending. I forget the, the name of the director is on the tip of my tongue. It's modern uh, steampunk. Something Marshall, oh, right? Or hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll look it we up. We also Keep did Under the up. Silver Lake, which was good. I know, which is also an anxiety-written movie, which is funny. Yeah. He's, at least he's consistent with his themes. And the other thing about Detroit, this was what I loved about um, Only Lovers, uh, Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive, which was a vampire David Robert movie, Mitchell, by the could, way. David, David Robert, Robert Mitchell, that was it. But when yeah. you shoot in Detroit and some of the surrounding areas, um, because of all the economic kind of hardships, there's just so many of these sort of abandoned areas. Like it's a very oh, yeah. atmospheric, very creepy city to shoot movies in because there are just these – it's constant you know, abandoned streets – burnt out right. buildings like that and you see some of that um throughout it follows you a lot of that in only lovers left alive and so anytime i see something like being done in detroit i'm like okay that's worth checking out just to see that area you don't right. even have to dress your set exactly it's like <laughs> no. it, it just looks show up like in it's detroit. a creepy place avoid yeah. the needles but i feel like the i know the technology was just left kind of open because even the little girl um the one character she's got like what is it like a shell thing where she reads books on that yeah it looks like that it's like a, a makeup mirror but right. then, yeah so i feel like that's a really i feel like that's a really fun way to once again without having people talk about things without having to go too in depth of like what time does it take place in he just confuses you more he just goes you see how relevant this is i'm just going to mm. let you know visually yeah. like i don't care and yep. you shouldn't either so just and stop just, thinking about it to kind of build on that with the the kids they're always watching these really old black and move black and white movies yeah. monster flicks on these really old archaic television sets mm-hmm. so uh stuff like that everyone's driving these old cars it's i mean how they present the monster i mean i i really just love the poster too having that <laughs> what is that some kind of chevy or whatever yeah um just there and there it's just a uh, with the neon light i just love it but the uh the shots when they introduce the monster and have her and the camera's like mounted snorri cam style on the wheelchair and he's like shoving her around oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's right. one of my favorite shots in anything ever i'm just this is such a cool way to present this scene it is dude trust me that whole scene too that opening it freaked out my girlfriend she had not seen it oh yeah and i was like babe you're watching this like let's go we're putting this on and then <laughs> the yeah, opening just, shot too where yeah. It it's just the her. camera in the road for like a minute and a half. Right. She runs it out, does a does a lap, goes back in. We're just looking at the house for like 40 seconds. Yeah. And then she runs out. Everyone's freaking out and she just steals the car. Yep. Because her dad it's even pops so out, I think, cool. and we asks what's wrong with her. And you're just wondering what she's looking at. Like why? It's just so great. But uh, just to go back to that introduction of the monster mm-hmm. is – Everything you need to know about what this film is trying to achieve is, like I said, when someone like my girlfriend who knew nothing about it, I was just like, no, we're just going to watch it. No trailer, no explanation. I was like, let's just watch it. Something's following them. You'll see. And when it gets to that moment where she's like, is that it? It's the lady? Why is she naked? I don't understand. (laughs) Who is that? What's going on? So wait, what? He slept with her? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. This is the movie, babe. Because I remember going through all of those questions at that moment, too. And it's not until you see, like, I think the second time you see it is the lady, the old woman at the school. Oh, fuck me, dude. That was so good. And then you're just, just... 
once you put all those pieces together, it's really fucking scary. Oh, it's fantastic, dude. Not even that, but then go back to the uh, the setup for that whole scene as well before she even gets to the old lady in the, the hallway when she sees it mm-hmm. walking towards her and the teacher's reading that the excerpt from uh, T.S. Eliot's uh, the I, – I already know it's the Ballad of J. Alfred Prufrock. And it mm-hmm. gets to that moment where he's, you know, talking about, you know, I am Lazarus returned from the dead. And it's basically a guy who's got social issues and clearly thinks that – no offense to T.S. Eliot, but he basically <laughs> wrote an incel poem. He wrote a poem about an incel. Like a guy <laughs> oh. just, it, it's very beautiful. It's very well written. Eventually he you know <laughs> talks about drowning himself in the ocean, getting pulled down by mermaids. But that excerpt fits so well with that uh-huh. scene and it was so it was so well done. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're selling it really well, Will. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, man, no offense, but like, you know, I don't like to make uh, things like poem by an incel about killing himself. It's very well done. (laughs) It's more more in depth than that because like T.S. Eliot, you know, he's he's super smart. And like he randomly, particularly during uh, The Wasteland, you know, I remember getting into, I still have his his book over here, like the collection of his poems that I read. Like, Mm -hmm. The best way I can put it is everybody out there who's like, ah, oh, poetry, whatever, or like even Shakespeare. I'm like, dude, honestly, these guys were just fucked up rock stars, even <laughs> of their time. They wrote songs about their own anxieties. They wrote poems. And so it's not that complicated. I know literature class made you feel like art had to be like this big thing that needed to be disseminated and like, how do you say it? Like deeply examined. It's not that deep. Don't treat it. <laughs> it's not. I promise you. It's not. Guys. Go ahead. Yeah. New rule. We got a lot of movies to talk about. We usually only talk about two movies. So let's try and keep poetry discussions. So I'm going to do a three-minute timer every time we talk about a movie. Because I went on for like ten minutes probably. You got to go next. Your favorite horror movie. Go. Uh, So. Oh, God. I had to hit the timer. (laughs) Uh, I, I actually got this question at the Maple Street Biscuit Shop. And... I didn't know what to say. So I panicked and I said, 10 Cloverfield Lane. So I guess I'll go with 10 Cloverfield Lane <laughs> because I don't want like the lady that helped me on the counter at the biscuit shop to hear this podcast and be like, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like the mat that I served a biscuit to. Yeah. He lied to me. So all four of us have seen 10 Cloverfield Lane, right? I yeah. saw it with Will. Okay. Yep. So spoilers. Okay. Here. Good. Yeah, go ahead, so then Matt. I expound look- upon it. I want to hear Matt's. Uh, why? Why did you pick that movie besides just a lady selling you biscuits? You know, rush you. But seriously, think about it. Like, what did you like about that movie? Um, what I, scared I, it you? It was like no. It, I mean, it's more of like a suspense. I feel like horror, mm-hmm. like the horror genre, is more for like a certain type of movie, and this is more like a suspense. But since it's like Halloween season, I guess we can loop them all together. It, it doesn't really matter. Horror. It goes yeah. horror by the end of it, but yeah. it's weird. It has a weird genre like shift. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. But I mean, that's the big J.J. Uh, Abrams plot twist at the end. I mean, well, that's, that's the big my, thing. Okay, that's my biggest problem with the movie is its name. I wish that the title of it gave zero allusions to Cloverfield whatsoever, because yeah. then going in. in yeah, that's what I'm saying is I, I want – I wish I could have had that big surprise at the end of like, wait, what the fuck is going on? As opposed to knowing like whatever's happening is definitely caused by an alien thing because I know this is somehow tied into Cloverfield. Right. Well, so I, like, had that, I had that experience happen to me after watching the trailer and then it ends with 
the camera like going up out of the bunker and you see the Cloverfield aliens destroying the city. Yeah, they shouldn't have done any of that. I'm sure it helped people go see the movie. So from a financial standpoint, I'm sure it was the right move. But like, I wish I could have had that surprise. Spooky in a bunker wasn't enough for you. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's the one thing I wanted to talk about more than anything. I came away from this movie really appreciating a movie that let us be terrified of John Goodman because I haven't been scared of him since he kicked George Clooney's ass and oh brother where art thou? <laughs> like I just had really been scared of John Goodman and then I saw this movie. I was like, oh yeah, he is. He's a big guy. He's like, holy shit, dude. Yeah, I'd be terrified to be down here with him. Like he's especially speaking of uh, Cohen brothers. He's especially scary at the end of um, Barton Fink. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh Good call. yeah, that's right. Like, oh my god, John Goodman is imposing. <laughs> yeah, dude. Good call. Good call. Barton Fink. I forgot all about that. But um, yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, good movie. John Gallagher Jr. shows up, does his thing. I feel like he's a very underrated character actor because every time I see him, he he's really committed. Yeah. He's not one to go like overboard. He's not like Philip Seymour Hoffman levels of character acting, but he's more like a young John. It's been Hoff. three minutes. I feel like Matt said nothing. I didn't. <laughs> okay, Matt, tell us why it's your favorite movie. Yeah, Matt, tell us why. Um, so I just like real, it was like a great experience watching it just because it's so like back and forth and you're kind of mm-hmm. like learning what the main character, I wouldn't blank on her name. She's like kind of Mary famous. Elizabeth Weinstead. I love her. Yes. She's she kinda, great. Yeah. Oh, dude, she's amazing. Yeah, but um you're like trying to figure out what's going on and you just keep on going back and forth. Like, is he telling the truth? No, he's not telling the truth. He's crazy. Oh, he is telling the truth. And then he's like, Oh no, he's crazy. And you just go back and forth until the end of the movie. They do such a good job of making you question what's going on. Yeah. Right. In that way, like a lot of movies, you know, try and kind of strike that balance. But I feel like, again, another reason I wish they titled it differently because then I'm kind of always on the one side, but you're watching it and John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, they play so great off each other. And you're really wondering like, is he just insane? Is he protecting them? What's up? Yeah. I think this is actually like a good message and it's something like in our political climate, like where we're so polarized that we could actually like, like use this where just (laughs) because like somebody is a terrible person and he's like insane. Doesn't mean everything that he says you have to disagree with right like, like he could still be right yeah like <laughs> all of us i assume it, like hate trump or if we don't yes. hate trump maybe we like dislike him and maybe we're probably not going to vote for him or if we are going to vote for him it's just because there's no better option but we're not okay. like maga wearing people <laughs> but that doesn't mean everything he says I, I'm using Trump because that's like the person that's probably most yeah. Hated Matt's Matt's, uh, Matt's examples culture. don't necessarily reflect the uh, the opinions <laughs> of the Great Movie Showdown. Good job, Zach. Good, good, good <laughs> great, spooky, the great good spooky, spooky showdown. The but, great spooky showdown. No, it's just right. like an example. Like any politician, like they okay. could still be right if right. you if you yeah, don't bro. agree with them, and it's like just showing you how like the most insane person can still be right. In this case, know. he was he was insane. For I don't the know right I context, he was, you know, he was one of those crazy, like, prepper is, people. It's one of those things where, like, 
he was like he also saying all these insane things. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the premise. Like that's the thing. Like there's everything else he did. There's not just the fact that he's right about no, the aliens. There's no, literally every saying, other shitty thing that he did while she was like held no, back. Hold on, I'm not saying that it's a redemption arc. I'm saying that if you think he's so crazy, so everything he says is not true, but he was right about that part. Yeah. So that's like the whole entire thing I'm trying to say. Like right, you right. can they still want be you wrong to disregard about, like, him everything, the, but right. you can still be right about something. That doesn't mean he's not right about this. I okay. feel I feel like it's a redemption arc until you realize he kidnapped that other girl. It's not a redemption him. arc. It's just he happens to be right on one thing. Like well, no, but yeah, movie. like I feel like you're kind of on John Goodman's side for a while. <laughs> you're back until and you realize, oh, he kidnapped that other girl. And there was like bloody fingernails and stuff yeah, on the, the little uh, porthole thing. Yeah. yeah. It was just like a terrible. And he shoots like, John Gallagher like in the face. Don't forget yeah. about that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, Blake, um, favorite horror movie. Go. Hang I on. I do, have, I do have a question about this. So what is, is there like a thing with this Cloverfield cinematic universe like no. what's the deal with it they wanted it to be a thing but <laughs> I never really was because there was the other one the one that took place on the spaceship I didn't even watch that one I didn't either everybody hated it yeah. yeah I haven't seen it and I don't plan on seeing it, it just doesn't it was interesting it's just like it wasn't until the very end that the Cloverfield monster appears Oh, yeah, that's weird. Speaking of Cloverfield, because we were talking about found footage horror films, that was mm -hmm. kind of one of the first found footage, like, monster movies. Or not monster, oh, exactly, yeah. but... I mean, See, yeah, once monster. again, though... Alien, kaiju, whatever the fuck. What was it, uh, Blake? Another thing I, I read about as we were talking about, it was such a timely horror film because it had... A monster, and this is true. I kid you not. Critics at the time, look it up, you guys. They were they are all drawing these correlations. They said this was the American Godzilla, and that Godzilla, as we know, was made um, shortly after the um, the bombings at Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Mm -hmm. And the Japanese government at the time refused to let anyone talk about the bombings, not openly, things like that. Not through their art, anyway. Right? They wanted the, oh. the to move forward and not have everybody do it. So this guy was like, "Well, I'll talk about it, but it'll be a giant fucking monster, and you can't." <laughs> tell me no yeah. because it's just a giant monster destroying the city but meanwhile and you'll notice in gojira the original one like it is a straightforward movie it is not there's no jokes there's no jokey jokes there's no right there's not like the little baby twin ant ladies singing to mothra there's literally like <laughs> serious destruction with like yeah. a woman crying as she's holding her child as godzilla just destroys them both like underneath his feet and he doesn't even notice them and that's the point is like well until film, you look at the american version of that same film yeah right fuck off america jesus with the giant <laughs> iguana. Uh, my point is like oh no well i meant where they just like inserted the, that famous American actor as a reporter. Oh so yes, it was, oh, it was yeah. basically just a bunch Godzilla, of Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, they ruined yeah, that. It was too. just a bunch of yeah. this guy like reacting to things going on around him inserted <laughs> oh, into God, this movie, call, dude. so, so that it would work for an American but, um, audience. So in Cloverfield, the whole point is everyone, especially it's so they. The way I, I interpreted it from what they were saying is like even the setup with the party and like um, TJ Miller's character and like how fun and goofy is like they're meant to be like once again, very you college graduates, kids on the cusp, like going out into this economy, oh, right? Da, 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 and they're all getting ready and it's normal shit. And then off in the distance, something happens, which is very reminiscent of how everyone in New York and around the world saw 9-11 is it just kind yeah. of like, 
what's going on? What's going on? All right, everyone run to the roof. Let's go see. And then it just escalates and escalates from there. And it's like, you can't trust the government because remember the government snatches up. What is her name? Lizzie Kaplan's character. And she ends up mm-hmm. blowing up because she got bit Lizzie by Kaplan one of them. Monsters, too. Uh, egg people thing, whatever in the subway, whatever. And like, the point is, is the whole film is about the anxiety around nine 11 and it, it was cool. I, I thought guess. it was just about a big alien. See, the, see <laughs> so did I, so did I, I was like, I got a big alien out of it, but I, I mean, feel like sure. I need to re-watch hey, Blake, we need your movie. We probably took to spend 10 minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, so I, I generally give my favorite horror film to The Shining. It was one the that I shinning. saw. The Shining. I saw it when I was young. Uh, I think my mom actually, all, like Will, like you were saying earlier, my mom is who first kind of introduced me to horror. And I think The Shining was one of the early ones I'd seen. It was before I knew who Kubrick was. It was before I got into film and all like that. But I remember yep. just really, for reasons I couldn't you know put into words, but I was very drawn to it. And I just thought it was a great movie. And then later on, um, I revisited it. And it's just, it's the kind of movie that keeps, it It really keeps on giving the more you dig into it. That's why you have entire documentaries centered around all the conspiracy theories about the inner workings of it. I wrote a paper back in school on all of the different uh, subtextual content of it. So it's this, it's this you know, labyrinth of a film, but you can take all that away. And even on its surface, it is still a very unnerving, very entertaining, uh, very frightening film. However, at this point when I watch like it's all, I almost like remove it from horror to me because it kind of right. walks away from And uh, when we were giving the list and I put Eraserhead on there saying like, we can debate whether or not this is even horror and uh, Eraserhead kind of served as a, mood template that Kubrick used when designing The Shining. So I think that's part of the reason it it sort of steps itself away a little bit. So like if I'm planning like a big like horror movie marathon for me and my friends, whatever, I might not necessarily put The Shining in there. Where if if I'm getting a movie get together for like cinephile friends, uh, The Shining's there. There's real debate and discussion we can have with this. But at at its heart, when you do watch, like it is obviously a horror film and it has plenty of traditional horror elements. It has screeching violins at parts. It has, there's skeletons in it. There's axes and ghosts and all kinds of weird shit. But at the same time, it, it has, it has enough art house peppering on it. And it is all spearheaded by Stanley Kubrick to, just it elevates that level of horror so much and especially mm. it's, it was 1980 when it came out uh so horror filmmaking in and of itself was still definitely not in its in its infancy but it hadn't completely codified itself yet because you were still you, we'd had halloween we'd had last house on the left um a couple other staples through the 70s but we you know, this was still before a lot of the big horror pieces that would come up in the 80s and the 90s. Right. I remember that, and this is going to sound funny, but I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. It's The Shining to me, not just because the ending, but literally like how the shot choices are, how the characters are done, is to me, The Shining is a very cold film. Mm-hmm. Like it just, you don't really get very attached to any one particular character, even, um, even the kid, you know, there's a there's an element the of tricycle kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Red Our rum. main character, Danny. Right. Danny. And um, 
and his mom and obviously Jack Nicholson's character. I mean, you just don't really identify with anybody. You don't have time to. And I don't think you're meant to. I think nope. it's just the film is literally anxiety personified. Mm-hmm. And then you're moving forward and you're just watching this man delve into madness. Wait, Will, you mean you didn't identify with the scene when the elevator opened and blood just poured out? <laughs> I identify with the guy in the bear suit, I think, who was giving a blowies to the other guy on the bed. What? That's for you, Matt. I love you. Yeah. Is that really a thing? Yeah, that's like the yeah. best thing. Yeah. I need to rewatch. I saw this movie once. Seconds to really Mars video. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Uh, okay, Are you, uh, Will, what's your movie? Uh, my favorite horror movie. Oh God! No, I gotta do it. I was gonna pick something else, but I mean, why not? Probably the one that scared the shit out of me the most was The Exorcist. It's it still yeah, holds classic. up. It still it still holds up, dude. I can still watch it, and I know everything is gonna happen. But every time, and it's not even like the big scary stuff. It's not the the exorcism in and of itself. It's actually the moments before that, and one moment in particular is for example is we always talk about like the banality of evil. But the, people just seem to gloss over, like, I don't know. Hear me out. The scene where Damien first goes in to talk to possessed Reagan, right, to talk to the demon, nothing really big happens until she, like, pukes on him at the end. But the conversation that ensues before that isn't, like, full of loud shit. It's very quiet. And then the demon starts talking. Like, people forget, like, it's fun to say now, oh, what an excellent day for an exorcism. But look at how terrific that performance is. That's why she was nominated. And same thing with the voice actress who fucking chain smoked and drank whiskey just before she recorded and shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yeah, dude. She, they really they had to get her voice all scratchy to do it. Just, Ugh, and it's like you watch it again. And that fucking creeps me out that like this thing is just talking normal, just having a fucking conversation and shit. And it's just like fucking with him Matt, tell him like your mother's in here with us, like not threateningly, but like casually like you would to somebody else. Like, hey, you know, I was talking to your mom the other day, like except <laughs> the demon's telling you like your dead mom's in here. Would you like me to leave her a message and shit? Like, ah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> fuck <Yeah>. off. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, that that movie to me and all the other moments of and I think people forget this is there's implied horror too, like off screen horror, like when. um. Bert, who is this drunken character that you see early on as the director. He argues with the butler later on. Then you find out that he went up to Reagan's room one night, possibly just to say hi to her. We don't know, but all we do know is that he ended up out fucking getting thrown out of her window and his head was spun completely around. And that's that's the detective telling Damien Karras about it. And, you know, it's just thinking of that visual of like, what the fuck happened in that fucking room, dude? Right. Like the film has every level of horror you can think of, and not to mention, obviously, all the big shit that you could that still hasn't been matched. To me, there hasn't been an exorcism sequence. There hasn't been a demonic film that has even come close to The Exorcist at all. Period. So, Will, now it's uh, time for you to say that the name Reagan is foreshadowing to Ronald Reagan because every other movie has <laughs> a political aspect. To you know it. what's funny? Is actually there was a case that was made that this film actually had to do with the social anxiety of, believe it or not, the raising um, satanic panic that eventually went on later on. That there was a serious issue that America's youth was 
turning away from Christianity, from Christian values, and all this shit. And this this film was a precursor to that. That the nation as itself would eventually move on. Because you got to think, in the eighties there was. I mean, even during the Reagan era, Matt, is, the satanic panic was a real thing. They were really worried about satanic cults and rock music and all the shit. So, like, you know, say that as you will. I feel like Last House on the Left um, played with that too. That was early seventies, I think. But the entire plot revolves around inspired by uh, the war footage from the Vietnam War. Go ahead, Blake. I just wanted to say that (laughs) he said that's why he did it. That's why he made that film. But um, shit, what was I saying? (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) my brain's got. Oh, Last House on the Left, where uh, I'm talking about like sort of youth gone astray. The whole plot was set up by those two girls. Sneaking off to go see this satanic rock band, and it was it was all like um, you know upside Orange down crosses karate. and pentagrams and the terrible evil people that are around that, and they kidnap the girls, you know, blah 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 blah. Yeah, but the yeah, there was very much this um, in the seventies and the eighties. This youth gone astray. This there's satanic cults popping up to kidnap your children or to infiltrate your children. That's what's always scared America. <laughs> That's weird. It's okay. weird to think that that was a that was an issue. Still is. Infiltrated. <laughs> but I mean, when uh, you look at like what true Satanism is, and usually the actual Satanism is like, yeah, we just believe Satan controls the world and the universe, and that's that's it. Like the actually, way that we um, believe Trump. Yeah, Trump is technically the president. Love it or hate it. Right. <laughs> What's so funny is there's a great documentary called Hail Satan, like with mm-hmm. a question mark. And you find out that the most popular and most like the, the guys who put the statue of Baphomet or tried to outside that courthouse, they're actually atheists who just claimed the satanic temple because they knew it would piss off Christians. That's like it. Pastafarian. Like that kind of level. Yeah, dude, that level of shit. Like they literally just took on Satan and they even do like their own thing where they hail Satan, they do all these things to get the publicity to then preach about like there shouldn't be religion in our government. And that's their whole shtick. They're actually just Mm. atheists who, you know, like – and it's it's a great documentary and um, there's also really great articles written about them. But yeah. Second that, Blake. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) One of our first favorite horror movie. I think mm. now right. our next category is best horror movie soundtrack slash theme. Now it's, I'm not speaking for everyone, but when I hear this, like the only one I can remember is the Halloween theme. So, <laughs> so does that have to be like everybody's? I um, actually, as much as I do love the Halloween theme, I love John Carpenter's theme to The Fog even more. That's one of my all time really? horror soundtracks. Yeah, I uh, think the how, music how in The go? Fog is. Gr- I couldn't. That's the thing. It's not. It's not melo- Like I can sing you the do 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 do. I can't really sing you any of the Fog songs because it's it's this big booming like pipe organ and it's these weird atmospheres. So it's not like a song you can yeah. snap your fingers to. I can't relay it to you. Um, I mean, that's the thing about most horror tracks is it is sort of just this ambiance sound. Very amorphous. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. to me, to me, like halloween the soundtrack not just the main thing that we all know but there's also that great bit where the music kind of um that synthesizer gets really high pitch it goes it goes, it cuts through and then it goes dun 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 with that one oh, pitch yeah. of just, like, 
And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Where is it, bro? And it's like, I even love the new film, uh, their Ooh. score, uh, the new 2017 Halloween, uh, which actually uh, is a better film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, um, uh, oh, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is the old mom um, with the shotgun range and shit in her house and stuff, and Michael comes back. It's so well done. And then the score for that even, like, I love, there's actually the track's name is The Shape Hunts Allison. And that fucking score just kills me. And the other track, uh, The Shape Returns, because like I said, it's that slow build of, you know, tension. And then it just methodically builds and builds and builds until like, you know, it's the it's the soundtrack. It, 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 you can actually pace it. It's the one track they used for uh, the, 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 the one track shot where he's walking through the neighborhood, walks through like two different houses, kills a bunch of people. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and it ends fun. with him stabbing that one lady through the throat. Um like that that's the piece of music for it. it's called the shape returns and it's okay. fucking great are you, music. are you guys okay if we talk about the new halloween right now yeah i don't care one has How there you, been a new one yeah the yeah. one i think it came yeah, out David what, was Green. it 2018 or 2019 20 i thought it was 2018 2018 no, I thought yeah, it was yeah. last year because i feel like i remember us seeing it last year Hold on, I'm i remember right i now. saw it with zach yeah and I haven't seen any of the other Halloween films. Halloween yeah. 2018. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, 2018. Okay. Okay, well, never mind. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I thought it was okay, but there were, like, a lot of, like, st- I think towards the end is where it, like, got crazy. And it was, yeah. like, kind of dumb. But maybe that's, like, with all horror movies. Sort uh, of. See, to me, Endings are hard. Yeah, I, that's the other thing is I, I get it because a lot of people didn't like, and I know what you're talking about is the the doctor guy, the um, the the new Loomis as uh, Jamie Lee Curtis called him, her character Lori called him. That you're the new Loomis, and it turns out he wasn't, and he was kind of like a hybrid of the the man in the black hat or whatever, the black hatted man and Loomis, because he eventually helped Michael, and he has this like scene, and then Michael kills him, and like literally crushes his fucking face with his boot, which is awesome. That's what he does. Yeah, and it, it like. I don't know. I personally I want to understand the beast. I personally, the only problem I had with it was that it was a little inconsistent for the pacing of the film because yeah. he's just driving around and then the, the sheriff hits Michael with his car and is getting ready to shoot Michael. And the guy stabs or our doctor guy stabs said sheriff and then helps Michael in the car. And I'm thinking, I'm going, okay, Michael has got to be about my size, maybe even bigger. I'm 240 pounds. That's an old man. How the fuck did he move him into that car? Like, I can believe that this unstoppable killing machine can like bust through walls and do all this crazy shit, right? Even when he lifts the 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 fucking the island, you would call it, like in the kitchen thing, on you know, hiding the turtle well, bunker. He was helping. Yeah, but like I can believe that he can move that. Michael can move that because that's Michael. But. I assume that other people have like real world logic. And that was the only problem I have with it. Right. I remember like the kids really annoying in that movie. I didn't think so. Like, I remember like the boy like being annoying. I, I oh, only seen it once in the theater. It felt like it was the mom that was annoying in that one. Well, Jamie oh, the, the, the daughter I felt like. Oh, the granddaughter. of the, Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah the granddaughter. Yeah, but the daughter, Judy Greer's character, she was a little annoying, but then she had her yeah. moment that totally bailed her character out for the rest of the movie, which was great because she was freaking out, saying, Mommy, I can't do it. And then Michael steps into the fucking way, and she goes, Gotcha, and fucking blows, him, <laughs> blows a hole through the neck. I was like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> Isn't he like coming back, though? Like, because there's a bunch of different sequels. 
Probably. There are. There's going to be two more sequels, and what I don't really the, care. Uh, what Halloween? is the timeline oh, for the Halloween? It's literally like, oh, here's the movie. Oh, what? We got uh, $400 million. And then like the executives just go back to the people that created the movie. Like, hey, can you make us three sequels? No, actually, David Gordon Green and uh, who else wrote it? I can Um, never remember his name. What is his name? Um, Wasn't it like a famous guy? that? Yeah, it's Red uh, from Pineapple Express. Yeah, Danny McBride. Danny McBride, yeah. Yeah. That's weird. He and David Gordon Green had a plan to make two more sequels. Like they're like, okay. hey, if we get a chance to do this, we have this idea. We're gonna do this. So I'm hoping that it's gonna work out, and these are gonna be really fun films. Because that's the other thing is like, I don't, I didn't want this Halloween to like reinvent the wheel. I actually went into it expecting that Michael was just gonna really do some cool Michael shit, and then I'm gonna leave satisfied because Laurie got to throw down with Michael again. Because I feel well, like, it, that, like retconned all of the other movies, right? Other movies, Aside like, from the first, they kind of retcon themselves, like halfway yeah, through the really. original run of it. It kind of, yeah. You know what's funny is this goes into, and I don't know if if I talked about it on the podcast. I, I don't know if I just talked to you guys in it in, in regular conversation, but they asked Matthew Vaughn when he came on to do X Men First Class. They're like, "Oh, you're using this character from this film and this character from this. Like, aren't you worried about the timeline?" He goes, "I don't oh, yeah. let that." I don't let that get in the way of telling a good story. Like the story that I want to tell is the story I want to tell. I don't really care about continuity and all that. And that's what I want filmmakers to do because no offense to anybody. I love you guys, my audience, my wonderful audience, but fuck your feelings. I read comic books. I read my, I read comic books where literally a new artist will come in and a new writer will come in and change everything every new story arc. Like, and that's (laughs) fine. You just roll with it, dude. You just El Hydra. Yeah. I like that Willis said fuck the audience twice in this podcast now. <laughs> yeah. I do that often. Why don't you hate our audience that's not existent? I just no, I just feel like no offense. You're yelling at air. Like, yeah, and to anybody who's listening, as people, and you guys will hear me say this all the time, I like a person. I like an individual. I can have a conversation like what we're doing now. As individuals, we're all talking. I love you guys. You're my friends. But people en masse tend to just be fucking stupid and i can't stand it like they have really dumb opinions about shit and so you just need to stop like all like stop okay this is halloween we just wanted michael to come in and wreck some shit and then we wanted jamie lee curtis to throw down with him and end up fucking like seriously kicking his ass by the end and then the movie did that and it was fine like i just i didn't feel like your first go out you needed to reinvent the wheel now with halloween i think the second one is halloween kills I'm hoping they do something different, but still keep Michael who he is. Like, stop giving me the backstory that he's somebody's brother or whatever. He's the shape. He's the shape. He's the fucking shape. Just like in It Follows. Like, why was so great about that film? We don't know why they do what they do. And that's what the great, that's what the film does really well with the fake Dr. Loomis guy. His whole thing is like, why, Michael? I must know why. And Michael just fucking smashes his face. Okay. <laughs> like, Will. go ahead. Sorry. I went on. So I'm saying we should probably take a break from the, from the questions because they're taking forever. And let's just spin the imaginary <laughs> random number generator. Sweet. Let's do it. This is what the people listen to the show for. They don't they don't want to hear us talk about They want movies. random number generators. They want numbers. Matt, spin that wheel. Boom. <laughs> it landed on seven. Seven. I think that's one of my movies. God damn it. We already talked about it. It was It Follows. Yeah, All right. Just, so it follows. Go again. <laughs> nah. Twenty-five. That must be a Will movie. Apostle. Oh, Blake. Did you see that yet? Nope. 
All right, well, then I'm not going to sit here and expound upon it. You guys just watch it, please. Gareth okay. Evans, the guy who directed uh, The Raid and The Raid 2, he made a horror film. It was really good. It's super bloody and creepy and weird. There's a witch god lady on an island, and that's all I'm going to say. Just okay, watch yeah, it. Okay, me intrigued. Oh, okay. dude. Well, thank you for like saying like none of us have seen the movie. You kept it short and sweet. That was beautiful. Yeah. I love you. I wish you weren't three miles away from me or else I... Yeah. Way to dox him, bro. Spin that wheel, Matt. <laughs> uh, thirty-one. Ooh, that that might be that might be a Blake. A movie. Rob Zombie movie. I haven't seen it. That's the one I haven't seen. What it? What did it land on? It actually. How did you know that? It actually landed on Rob Zombie Masterworks. Is the name of the category? Oh, okay. That was just me in general submitting because I think he's he's such an interesting, unique horror filmmakers he's sort of he's sort of the the master of the postmodern horror film where we finally get somebody who looks back at all his years of it and ingests it kind of the way like tarantino does and he spits out these weird chimeric magnums of um all this horror Mm -hmm. stuff and you have uh house of thousand corpses and uh what's the sequel to that devil's uh yeah devil's rejects Yeah, where it's 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 just gory, weird, psychedelic insanity, and then you get something uh, later on, with, um, which oh my god, I'm forgetting all my names today. Uh, uh, Lords of Salem. Uh, yeah, Lords which of is, Salem. Yeah, that was that was different, and I I don't know if I necessarily liked it, but I appreciated the effort. Like a lot of people, when they try to make horror movies, they're not even trying. At least Rob Zombie, he fucking tries. He, re- oh, he really goes for it. He cares. I personally loved Lords of Salem. It was very, it was very different from pretty much most of the other stuff he's done. In that it was this kind of weird slow burn. It had these weird sort of like acid horror elements to it there are these weird it was it was just fucking weird it had the the last like 30 minutes of it is having the craziest fucked up imagery well all right so just to prove my point and to help you with yours because this is true is that rob zombie takes pretty much all the other kind of horror films that have been around for example lords of salem to me is rob zombie going hey Maybe not everybody has seen like Suspiria yep. or like other weird fucking horror movies that like came out like direct to DVD kind of things that have been coming out for years. Or I'm sorry, like just independent like Italian horror and then like some like other weird uh, – what's the other one where uh, the one lady – I forget. I just know that it won like the, the Best Actress Award because the, the, the actress in it – and it was like a French director. It was like a French film, but it had Sam Neill in it from Jurassic Park and she ends up fucking like a fish thing. It's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. Right. So I've seen some weird shit. And so the thing is, is Lords of Salem. And I think it just wasn't a movie that was made for me because he he does a lot of shit that is weird. But I've, I've I hate to say that it, like the sequel to Shape of Water or something. Or? No, no, even, different, even before that. No, even before that. I, I promise you, because you're right. Fit, when I saw the Shape of Water, I was like, oh, there's going to be jokes. But I don't think anybody will get it because I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie. But hear me out. Point is, is that Rob Zombie does shit. And just throws a bunch of shit, all of his influences up there for you to see. And the problem is, is a lot of times I've seen it actually done better in other films. Or at least other people have done it first. So the shock value just That's doesn't fair. hit like it should. Like it just doesn't hit like it should if you haven't – if you've already seen that shit before. Perfect example is like to me, hands down, the most disturbing fucking movie you'll ever see is this French film called Martyrs. Fuck me. 
that movie's just fucking weird and <laughs> grotesque. And like, I can't even go into like the plot because I don't even know if there is one. It's just fucked up. Okay. <laughs> so I need to know. Yeah, exactly, dude. And it's like, you just got to watch it. You just got to watch it. Which, so, by the way, just to talk about it, um, the Amazon original remake of uh, Suspiria from the guy who made t- – um, Oh, yeah, yeah, That's actually a really good movie. It's re- Tom and, York does the music to it, which and, I think it's one of the oh, best it's, it's, If you love Tilda Swinton like I do, it's mm. just your dream come true because she's all over that movie. But anyway – talk about Rob Zombie because eventually we'll talk about Devil's Rejects which I think is his fucking that is a masterpiece I think Fuck so I, th- I think that's his best work is probably Devil's it's Rejects it's amazing oh my god are you kidding me I will fight anybody right now yeah so like, guys I haven't actually seen any Rob Zombie movies oh but man. I, I like watched his uh, his interview on Joe Rogan because I'm working from home and I have nothing better to do but just watch <laughs> random long YouTube videos and uh and like, it seems like kind of interesting, like how much he cares about horror. And he's like, yeah, I feel like he's like trying to do stuff that people might not be into. And I, after I watched the interview or maybe even during, I like went to his Wikipedia page and like went to Ron Tomato. And I don't think like any of his movies got high ratings. And that was like no, kind of no. weird to me. No. And yeah, I think he was even. Gets a fair shake. Yeah, I, mean, gets a fair shake. I think it follows like you probably, and I think like it, it follows and like Hereditary and like all those A twenty four horror movies like get somewhat. Yeah. But I think like maybe like horror movie like movies in general are so like unique and maybe they don't like follow the same formula and they always end in like a sour note. So yeah. maybe like that can, but that that was like kind of weird to me about how he, like, I I couldn't look at one movie and say like, oh, that's his masterpiece that all the critics. Yeah, they're all going to have like they were all scores. mediocre. Like they were yeah, all the like is, maybe in their fifties or forties. Yeah, but here's the thing though: is that honest to God, the Devil's Rejects is such an original film because even House of a Thousand Corpses to me was very heavily influenced by, and he even said it, he said it was influenced by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like a group of characters go out into a creepy house out in the middle of nowhere and a crazy family kind of tortures them until one person ends up kind of getting away, whatever. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's very inspired. So like, I didn't really buy it until we got to like the Dr. Satan shit, which was cool to look at, but like, it's, just, you know, it was Rob Zombie just allowed to let his imagination loose. But with devil's rejects, you have just three characters who are just trying to fucking get away and you have them do the most horrible, despicable things for like an hour of the film to these people who are actually just okay characters. Like they're not anything special, but they're also not necessarily like cannon fodder. You're not just waiting for these people to die. And you're just wondering like, why the fuck are you doing this Rob zombie? And then you cut to like random scenes of like these people in like a van and they have really funny quirky things. So he gets to humanize these ultra evil people, but then he even tests you further when we get to this cop detective character who's trying to kill them and doesn't give a fuck about arresting them. And then the film almost turns it on its head where now as the film tonally is going is that our three, our devil's rejects characters are like almost the heroes in the third act and they even get like their uh bonnie and clyde moment by the end <laughs> yes like they're you know what i mean like now the the detective is the horror movie villain coming to kill them who's torturing them and is trying to like you know what i mean it's just 
it's so interesting and weird in all the best ways. And I love it for that. It's such an original film. And I can understand why Kirk's at the time didn't get it and didn't want to like it because it's so it's just mean. It's a very mean it is. film. It is so mean. It's but you got to watch it. And I'll say this again. Rob Zombie is always trying. He will always get at least like to me, he'll never get like a complete zero on a film for me because the motherfucker's trying, dude. Yeah. He's always going for it every time. He uh he he like mentioned a story in the podcast where I guess like one of the movies that he was doing, like he was like in the middle of filming it. I could have this all wrong, but it, it was either he was in the middle of filming it or like I think he was in the middle of filming it. And basically like Universal Studio that he was doing it for like stopped him in the middle of the of filming it because they didn't like what he was doing and I think he had to like stop the movie and then go find like somewhere else or maybe that oh was his God. one movie and then later on he did another movie but then he like brought up how like Universal Studios like used his movies in Halloween Horror Nights and he was like kind of looking <laughs> back at that like you didn't want me to make these movies but you're calling <laughs> you're calling me back. <laughs> but you'll use the properties that were kind of successful. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, and I get to get through my horror house. And uh, that was horror house, haunted house, baby. Not, not, we, we don't want to get sued by Universal saying that they have uh, Rob Zombie horror houses. I would totally visit a Universal Rob Zombie horror house, though. I'd be interested to see how that would shake out. As as I was saying that, I was like, God, I wish that was a real thing. <laughs> Just knock down one of the hotels, build the Rob Zombie horror house. Oh It'll be like... Some eyesore off of I four, dude. Yeah, just have it in that weird building on the way to Orlando. I've never seen that building. I don't know where it is. I drive to Orlando a lot. Okay. Anyway, I think we we talked about Rob Zombie and his masterwork. Let's go. Uh, let's go do what the people what they uh, tuned in for. Spin Generating that some random numbers. We're at twenty six. I think that's a will number. It's green room. We already talked about that. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, 24, that that's a will number. The ritual. Oh, yes. Thank oh, you, Will. I want to talk about this one, too. Yeah. Right? I watched talk about it. it. Talk about it. You talk about it. I watched it, what, like a year and a half ago? I think I remember like seeing the trailer and I was like super hyped about it. Then I watched it eventually. I thought it was a pretty good horror movie. I feel like what a lot of horror movies that goes crazy at the end and that one did a good job of going crazy at the end but kind of uh, keeping some sort of normalcy and it kept on like referencing well what was Matt, going on and like why he was so upset i i thought that was a good movie yeah i enjoyed like it, it to me the craziness and if people once again zach matt yeah uh blake i'm sorry i'm gonna have to do this again but if our audience doesn't like them spoiling movies, well, then why don't you just go watch them since they've been out for three years? So, um, There's anyway. a lot of movies, though. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Everyone has a cousin, whatever. Point is. Well, you watch, like, all the movies. You're the only person that I know that watches, like, all the movies. All right. Whatever. Blake watches all the movies. Anyway. And yet I haven't seen The Ritual. <laughs> oh. God damn it. You haven't watched that one, that like what, that uh, Greek director. Like none of you guys watch that Greek right, well, director. Anyway, but I watch all of those. You have to see The Ritual because <laughs> even if I'm talking about it now, I promise you it will not dampen the effect of seeing 
what the end has in store for you because the film does such a good job of not being about what eventually will become like the monster. It's a monster film, but not necessarily so. And this is why like one of my favorite horror directors now is Mike Flanagan because he doesn't yes. make horror films. He doesn't make horror films. He makes interesting characters that happen to have horrific shit happening to them. And that's what's oh. happening in the ritual is you have really good characters who are on a specific mission. And you have a guy who is very, 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 very torn up about the death of his friend. His friend has been killed. Will and I'm Sorry. not spoiling anything. It's in no, the no, 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 no. I wanted to ask you a question. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, like, only me and you watched that movie. Like, do yes. you do you feel like the guilt in that situation was justified? Yes. Or do you think all the all the friends being mean to him was justified? Yes. Really? I, I was mean to him. I didn't like him. That's really? what. That's why. That's no, why I, I think him. I. Okay. okay see, so, all right, hold fine. on. My 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 whole. You're not about this movie. My, my whole entire thing with that situation is we're watching this and like, yeah, we see what happens and then we judge them. But we don't like the guy there in the real situation doesn't know what's going to happen. He's just acting on instinct. And then like from well, what I remember, problem. like he's just hiding and he thinks his friend's going to get out. OK, but then he gets attacked and it's just because his, they caught his friend or something. But if he were to like leave, then he would probably get killed as well. It's, I, it's one of those things where like, yeah, I, I guess it's easy to blame him for it, but. Well, Matt, let me put it to you this way. Okay. I don't understand their friendship, how it was. Like if I'm in a situation, I already know my sexy ginger, he's not much of a fighter. So just <laughs> go, go hide in the corner. More of a lover. Okay. Yeah. Like go, go hide in the corner. Like it's okay. I'll be all right. I won't hate you for life. Don't feel bad. But I don't know how their relationship was. And the way this guy was making it seem, it's like, dude, like, no, you don't do that. You just don't. And I don't know. That's just me. That's just who I am as a person. Like, I just I immediately was like, nah, fuck this guy. Like, whatever. Yeah, his friends be mean to him. I totally get it. But the film does a good job of showing you that he it really does bother him and that yeah. you don't know maybe if he just froze in the moment. And so you kind of you do you forgive him as well as like he eventually forgives himself. And then, like I said, the film just has such a great payoff. And remember what I said, guys. The monster always has to be changing throughout the film. And this one definitely does in such good ways. And there's such a good payoff. And then the film also has a really good theme of like not so much as a character being redeemed, but as just learning to forgive himself and to, to definitely move on and, and actually fight for something. Like, look, man, yes, in this moment, you, you fucking chickened out. But you have so much more of your life. Like you got to stop beating yourself up about it. And you know what? When given another opportunity, learn and grow from that experience. And that's what he does. And it's great. See, like my whole entire thing is like this is a very human moment with like human reactions. And then it's almost like like Mark Wahlberg at 9-11 where he's saying (laughs) like, oh, if I was on that plane, that wouldn't have happened. It's like you don't know that. You weren't there. (laughs) Some of all these celebrities that's – that like had flights to 9-11 for those planes. 9-11 but, like, is but, not the same thing as what happened. No, that is not I've correct. Never it, heard is, about this. it was literally the same thing. Like you had knives not, and you're intimidating people. 
Well, not exact same thing, but similar. I've been intimidated with knives, guns, shotguns, baseball bats. I've been jumped. I've like, come on, man. We haven't lived in Philadelphia like you, so we we don't know that lifestyle. (laughs) I'm just saying. That's why. That's why. If you did that, I wouldn't judge you. I'd be like, I understand. My my sexy ginger is not a fighter. It's okay. But no, to me, like, yes, I know exactly how to react if my life was threatened because I've literally had my life threatened. Okay, I knew exactly how to act. Guys, I did a random number and then it went to it follows again. It really <laughs> oh, you really have to talk about it. What's the number no, one? It's following it. us. We, we got it. Oh, it. Okay. It oh. Here we go. Follows. Did, did oh, we put nice. the thing on the list? The thing's a good movie. Yeah. Hold on. We got to talk about Pennywise. Actually, I was given yeah. a mandate by said girlfriend that she will listen to this episode if we at least talk about Pennywise. Oh, sorry, there's God. one guaranteed listener. I want right. to completely butcher like my <laughs> my inter- interpretation. So I've only much. seen it chapter two. <laughs> what? <laughs> You've seen the worst it. Like what? Yeah. You saw that with me, Zach. <laughs> I did. I Wait saw it one. What you will? Yes, you did, and I I loved it. I I really appreciate it, and I actually do like it. Chapter two. I don't understand yeah. all the hoopla about why people think it's not a good movie or something. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was also scary. Blake, have you seen all the? So it's? I saw. I never saw the original. It. I only saw it part one. The the new one. I quite liked that, and then it part two. I saw like the first like. 30 minutes of it and then turn it off to do something else kind of intended to come back but kind of knowing i probably wouldn't and then i just never did so oh, nice job. that's my Wasn't the newer one it. supposed to be like a two a duology of the original film yeah it the first one it wasn't the first one like a mini series like it wasn't even yeah because it yeah. oh, it's a yeah. big ass yeah. book that has two separate timelines when they're younger they were and when they're older movies they were made for tv movies is basically what they were okay. they were they were about like two hours a piece but they were split up into like one hour episodes so you basically got like four episodes two with the kids and then two with huh. the adults if i'm remembering correctly okay and yeah, I mean, they they were scary as shit when I was a kid. It made me want to read the book. And then I found out the book was, dude, I mean, just literally, this is what I thought. I, was, I, I think this is what happened. Stephen King just went, <laughs> all right, so here's the plan. He turns into all these monsters and then, about... like, they grow up to adults and then there's a fucking giant turtle, dude. And this thing doesn't even have a form. It's three lights, baby. We're going to call them the dead lights. Fuck yeah, multidimensional fucking monster being. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, you're going to talk about Stephen King. That's oh, child well gangbang. Child gangbang happening. No, gangbang. Let's not even talk about that. Damn it. I don't know if we can talk about that on the show. <laughs> Anybody, please feel free. Cut to about like middle ways through the book when they're kids, and it's true. Like, I don't know why Stephen King did this. Maybe I don't, I don't understand it, but like the idea is they're all after. Pennywise is killed or whatever, but he's not necessarily dead. His magic or whatever, his influence is still in there. So the kids are trapped in his maze because they're still innocent in 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 that they haven't really grown up, right? Like they need something. She gets it in her mind. I know what needs to happen. We all need to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's huh. what happens. And fuck they do. And fuck they do, and they all get out because I guess whatever. Like just Steven, dude. There's wow. probably like a, like a lot of pedophiles watching that first movie, like seeing all these kids. <laughs> and like, oh, I can't wait. They're going to yeah. fuck soon. And then, what are they doing? <laughs> they have their clothes on. 
Oh god. <laughs> wow. Nice file joke. Did now oh, the time to talk about a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I didn't even talk Hold about on. the actual so, it. Zach, uh, one. Zach, did you like it too? Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I felt like I was missing out on some things, not like having seen an the entire first movie. Yeah. <laughs> I liked the I, I definitely did like the first one. Oh yeah, lot. I had a really good time with that. And that was like pretty but, scary. But I See, remember also hearing that like half of the second movie was a recap of the first movie. Not necessarily. See, that's the thing. This is what people say. It's like, oh, well, you're flashing back to the kids. I was like, yeah, but you're flashing back. And this is something that I always felt the first film didn't have time to delve into. But the second one being much longer and you need to kind of have sequences where these adults who – because you can't sit there and just say stupid shit like, okay, once you leave Derry, you forget. Right. You have characters say it and then it doesn't have any kind of repercussions or you don't have them remembering certain things that were happening. It just doesn't necessarily like it doesn't come across into the audience. So you have to actually get that point across to your audience and you need to have them cutting back to certain moments when they were isolated and Pennywise was terrorizing them, which is what the first film didn't have time to do, which is each kid only got terrorized on their own like a couple times in the first film. And then most of the film is them coming together. But what the second film is able to do is show that, no, this motherfucker was terrorizing them all the time. Even when, you know, um, our, well, I hate to say it, but our chubbier character, our, our very sweet hey, character. Oh, oh, you're talking about the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forget his name. And that's why I'm, I'm saying it because I forget his name. But like the great scene where he's in school and then like Pennywise just flips a switch and it becomes this horrific thing. And then like same thing with all the characters. All of them get their moment again that you realize that this was all that summer. This was that entire summer just Pennywise was just fucking with them all the time. And it, and I understand that it, it fucked up the pacing and, you know, I, I get it, I guess. But to me, like, I don't know. I came in expecting that. I knew it was going to be a longer film because there's a lot more to when they're adults. There's a lot more story to tell, particularly when you're dealing with, like, the uh, ritual of fucking what is it chud like all that stuff like it's ridiculous so it's a lot it's a lot it's a big movie i understand it can be flawed but i i was there for all of it i loved it i do i i have to admit i really do like it it's the best version that we're gonna get okay uh blake do you have any closing thoughts um keep it short and sweet (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) that was short but not sweet (laughs) Very antagonizing. Unfortunately, it's because I have a uh, I don't have that much of a relationship with the the film. Like I said, I didn't see the original original. I haven't seen it part two. I've never read the book, so I only I don't even really know how it ends. I just get what I get off the internet. And then I had a really fun time with the first one. Who directed? Was that Carrie? Fuck. Um... No, no. Um, Andy Muschietti directed the first and second one. Okay. Um, but yeah, I know I had a, a good time with that. I had a snap and soundtrack that played the cure in there. I was stoked on that. Um, so, yeah. Overall, it, good movie. Wasn't like in the second one, like w- one of the characters was like gay the whole time. Yeah, uh, Richie. It was it was implied. I even from the, is he in the book? Was he gay? Yeah, they they had some implications. There was a lot of big th- fan theories that went on for years that oh. maybe Richie was gay, and so that's why they put it in the second film. It kind of like oh, ruins it cool. for the first because I thought he was just a dickhead, but <laughs> and then they try to make it a love story. They didn't try to love they story just, of they, it. 
<laughs> I guess move on to the next film. Okay, next whatever. film. Uh, guys, what it is follows. it? It follows. It's it follows. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like it's always coming back to us, no matter what we what movie we go to. The universe, like you guys didn't explain enough. I want more. It's following us. Go on, Matt. Give us a movie. I, I think like every time we go back to It Follows, we should just bring up a point about It Follows. <laughs> we should. I didn't like the ending. Um, I felt the, like the ending of It thing, Follows was a little bit of a letdown. I Dracula. That, oh, Dra- yes, Bram Stoker's Dracula, baby, with Gary Oldman. Fuck that movie. Dracula? There's been a hundred. He's just explaining that. He specified this one. Which yeah, one? Bram Stoker's Dracula, the one with Gary Oldman, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, which is to date the most gorgeous horror film ever committed yeah. to cinema. But will Dracula what, what what Dracula? Yeah, right. Which one? Oh, 1992. With, uh, Keanu, with Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, even Tom fucking Waits, baby. Yeah. Tom Waits in this fucking movie, acting it up. This movie's amazing. I love this movie. I can never get enough of it. It's it, I, ah, it's so good. Okay, and well, the score down, for this is even me. really good. But you know no, what isn't Austin. good? Keanu what Reeves' fucking weird voice, half-assing accent. Yeah, I generally yeah. love Keanu Reeves, and around he was doing really good stuff around that time that he had done um, Mountain Private Idaho. Breaking Point oh. was around there. And then I don't, everyone else thought I was doing great. I don't know what the hell Keanu was doing during this movie. Yeah, that was definitely weird. But uh, even the score for this film, if you guys ever go back, please do. Just give it a listen. It's You'll just look at it and be like, damn, this actually is really fucking consistent. Like there's one – like Dracula's actual theme is just these like – you could tell it's – I think it's like a quartet of cellos and it's really low. It's just da-dum, like it's super fucking creepy and it's also like kind of romantic in a way (laughs) so like and the film eventually ends up becoming a romance like just to give you an example my mom i know what can i say me and my mom just really like spooky shit and we'd hang out and like i remember watching this with her one time and i'm like ma what are you doing She saved his soul. And I'm like, Ma, she's, she dragged the thing through his heart and cut off his head. I don't understand. Like, but she loved him. That's why she did it. And I'm like, are you, you're crying. Like, this is a real thing that's happening. Oh. <laughs> so, that's it, what love is. Oh, yeah, dude. And then um, this is the first time that I knew that I really, really loved Monica Bellucci because she was one of Dracula's brides. And uh, she's the one that, you know, comes between Keanu Reeves' legs, you know, when they're all <laughs> sucking on him and making really drain the blood through his nipples in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, I would put this movie in. It was free porn. My mom would be like, what are you watching? I'm like, Dracula, it's really good. Go away. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. This movie's amazing. I love this movie. New so movie? Much. That was a good one. New movie. Spin the wheel. 15. Oh, really our treat. Oh, I thought yeah. he was going to say oh, I haven't seen somebody. that in forever. That was good. Uh, I love anthology story. horror. Yes. And the thing is, is like uh, Michael Doherty, um, if you guys ever hear him tell the story of trying to get that movie made, it's almost as good as the movie itself. <laughs> this is a fucking nightmare. Because the studio just was like, yeah, sure, all right, anthology movie. And then he made it, and they're like, do you have the guy uh, 
killing a kid and then stepping on his hand and then like killing him with the shovel afterwards after he found out the kid wasn't dead. And there, he was like, yeah, you guys read the script. Like I already made the movie. Like, yeah, that that's too much. Anthology. <laughs> huh? What do you mean by anthology? Like it has multiple stories and some of them intersect. Some of them oh, don't like cool. creep show tales from the yeah. hood. I think the, uh, the the Red Riding Hood um, story portion still to me has a really great payoff. I think it's one of my favorites of the film. Or or kind of like Twilight Zone that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Like Anna Paquin um, is out with like a couple of friends, and like they're all just picking out their costumes and talking. It's like it, you don't really know where the story's going. You wonder if like, and then they set it up with one guy who's like a vampire looking guy who's clearly killing other girls like at parties and stuff or like there's one scene where a girl's like literally out in public and everyone just thinks it's her costume. She's covered in blood. She's running, screaming and he kills her in like a alleyway or whatever. So cool. And so when you're seeing him kind of stalking Anna Paquin's character, you're thinking one thing's going to happen and her friends are all concerned about her, right? They have all these guys at this little bonfire out in the woods. And, you know, they're like, come on, we all got our guys. Like, where are you? Oh my God, we're so scared. And then <laughs> like, she's walking alone in the woods and he sneaks up behind her and you hear the scream. No one knows what happened. And then you get the reveal. You see his bloodied body get dropped from <laughs> out of, you know, like all out of frame. And he's just like, help me. And she's, she's all like, she's got like the fangs going. She's like, oh, no, it's okay. He cut me. And you don't know what's going to like, what? Are they witches? What? Nah, bitch. They're werewolves. Oh, they're gonna snap. Eat all these dudes here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> it was actually really cool. Like, that was a really cool werewolf scene where the girls, like, they're ripping their skin off and it's all bloody and gory. And even the werewolf makeup, like, the creature design was really great, too. I loved it. They did a good job with that sequence. I, I only know that movie from Halloween Horror Nights. I guess it was there. And then okay. I remember, like, going to dinner at Universal and, and like, and one of the servers said that it was a really good movie, but I haven't watched it. What is the uh, the iconic character's name? The little I was trying to think the yeah the little like trick or treater kid, and I can't think of it. Yeah, what is this? I think it's what Sam. Can we I watch that? Movie? It is. It's Sam. Okay. Yeah, now is that it on that that Amazon? Like, do you have to pay for it? Do you know by chance? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's available for free anywhere. But I mean, I have stuff on my. You know, fire stick that lets me. Oh, oh, stuff. oh Not that I do this Hey guys, it's Zach here from the future, and I just wanted to step in real quick to say the Great Movie Showdown does not endorse uh, pirating films or games or other media. When you pirate these media, you really just hurt the entertainment industry as a whole. And right now, things are crazy enough as it is for everybody. So. uh we're trying to make stuff. Other people are trying to make stuff. And we want to be supportive of the entirety of that ecosystem. And in order to do that, we, uh, you know, we can't be pirating things. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Anyway, um, it, it's a really good movie. Uh, it is really great anthology horror. It, do I think it, like, breaks any kind of mold or, you know, does anything groundbreaking? No. But it's a damn well-made horror film that should have been released in theaters. It never got to be, and now it's got a cult following. I didn't know it never made to theaters. I don't because I, I came I'm to it a little sure. bit later after it had come out. 
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it still found its audience, which is Good. a huge thing. Like it, yeah, it's, which that's why I also love horror movies. If we're going to talk about horror movies some more, which we are, I have to say one thing. It's like, I feel like horror is the one genre where the people who love it will actually fucking find it and yes. support it. Mm-hmm. They don't care where they have to watch it. You will, you will reap the benefits and they will love it forever. Like horror films just, I think invented like cult movie statuses. Pretty they much. Really, and I love them for that. I do. I love people who love horror movies, who enjoy them. Zach, uh, thank you for now joining the horror movie train. I would have judged yeah. you if you didn't like horror movies. Could you well, imagine I mean, just, I if, if like yeah. the like horror Good. fans were like the same as like rom com fans or so, or if rom com fans are the same as like horror fans? That'd be weird. Oh, yeah, like, that we need to weird. find like some indie rom com. <laughs> there would be just these like dime a dozen really low quality VHS shot like rom coms that are all bare bones. Oh people God. like going out of their oh, way to get them at conventions oh. and dressing yeah. up in normal clothes. It's like no more Hugh Grant. <laughs> oh my God, dude, that's amazing, man! What uh, up? Next, get out! Next movie or? Get out! Oh, oh, oh I haven't well, seen we that can't one. Spoil it. No spoilers. So this is going around difficult. Uh, Will you love it? I absolutely love it. I feel like it's it's what I would want. This is why I love horror. It's funny because I just said I, you know I love horror fans. I also love the genre of horror almost oh. more than any other genre because you can be so subliminal and you get to pick apart certain aspects of society. It's just like you know John Carpenter and what he did with the thing with They Live, um, and what other filmmakers have done. Now you get Jordan Peele who came from comedy, who always wanted to do a horror film. And he takes all of that biting commentary and puts it into a film. And it's, it's amazing, especially when you get to the actual twist, which now I don't get to talk about because Zach didn't actually just watch the movie when it came out. We have this list. I watched like, it in theater. <laughs> well, like a good person. Because <laughs> I, I, the twist is exactly why I love this movie more than anything, because it's so indicative of popular culture and what we do with anything associating with African-Americans, particularly no you know, like hip hop culture, know. like what we do with um, black athletes, anything like that. It's all in there in the subtext it's of so, what we do to them. Like, no no spoilers. Mind. I know. But I just remember I remember being in theater and at the you know at the end on the road just because people have been like, cheering and screaming all kind of stuff and it's just this this palpable sounds when you see the thing in the distance and you're like oh no oh shit i know yeah, what this is yeah. oh fuck oh and i won't say anymore but just like oh like i hadn't had that much like palpable tension around me in a movie theater in a long time like this was a right. whole movie that really grabbed so many it's people just so funny because exactly and i think you'll understand this blake no other horror film would get to do that, particularly Mm-mm. when you have a black lead. You, you don't get to do that. You just don't, period. You don't get to have that that moment where you would think the audience would be relieved by the time yep. they get to that moment in the ending. But they're not. And that's the point. And yep. that's why I love this movie. And that's why I deserve the Oscar. What I really love about it is that it's it's a point that we all captured that it's not something that's explicitly stated in the movie. It's not like, oh, we have a reason now to have this weird reaction to it right. because of the movie. It's just like, Oh no, we all get the social context of what's going on and we know what those lights mean. Oh no. Oh, so great. So great. Okay, that's it. We're done. I would say that I thought it was okay. I didn't know. 
I haven't seen it yet, so I can't <laughs> debunk that. Like I watched I it, I'm like, okay, hey, that's okay. But I'm, I'm like that with a lot of movies. I'm not passionate about a lot of movies. But you started <laughs> a movie podcast. <laughs> I would be able to talk that's more. Passionate about Pokemon. I'm more passionate about Pixar and Disney movies. <laughs> oh my god, that speaks to me. <laughs> uh, Colors of the Wind, or yeah. uh, what was oh, the, like, the I Mulan song? Incorporated for like the first time in forever, and so good. I was like, oh god, like it's it's like perfect. Like everything in that movie was great. Oh. All so right, Matt, good. give us another movie. Uh, let me highlight Get Out, just in case we decide to talk about it again. I I think we might. Because I know it's been on the list to check 40. out for a while. Oh, 40. I added 40. What is it? Uh, Split. What? Oh. I don't know what that is. Yes. I like Split. Yeah. I like Split. Too. To me, Split has one of the best uses of sound mixing, sound design, like everything in that moment. You saw it, right, Zach? Everyone here no. seen it? I never heard of it. You're joking, right? No. It's the M. Night Shyamalan movie. With a McAvoy, bald, split personality. No. Kidnaps girls. No. <laughs> it came Christ. out. It came out like the same time Get Out came out. So maybe Zach just wasn't going to the theaters then. Probably yeah. not. When was that? Like twenty January twenty seventeen around that time. Yeah. I don't think I was right. seeing a lot of movies <sighs> then. Well, you guys know what I'm talking about. She's. She's hearing things. She's hearing like things getting banged around in, in a room. She opens up the door and you should see the other female character on the ground and you're hearing chewing noises. <laughs> and then you're looking and she's like, doesn't say anything. And then she gets dragged out of the frame and then you hear further chewing noises. And I'm just like, this is a PG-13 film, by the way. <laughs> and that's the brilliance of it. Like, that's what's so good because what do we keep going back to, you know, what we said about paranormal activity, it's not what they show you all the time. It's what's implied. Mm-hmm. And it's, fuck, that's a good moment. That's a great horror movie moment, period. No one can take that from M. Night Shyamalan because he kind of dropped the ball with uh, Glass. And obviously well, I was, I was like great. so disappointed by I haven't even seen it, but I heard enough <laughs> bad things about it. I actually like yeah. Glass. I, I didn't like lo- – like Unbreakable is still my favorite of all the three, but – I, I was yeah. actually thoroughly entertained by Glass, and I love Sarah Paulson, so most anything she'll pop up, yeah, and I'm stoked I liked, on. I liked Glass for about 95% of it, and then literally, Blake, it's all I'll say to you, and you know what I'm saying, Bruce Willis in a puddle. <laughs> now, that's, that's, fair. You. that's fair. That's Stop fair. Fuck you. That's what I say. <laughs> you and then that's it and then i didn't like anything after that i didn't care for the movie actually I feel like that moment shit on the rest I'm of the movie I was like, no. anymore fuck it yeah like no this movie just wasted my time it literally wasted my time <laughs> oh but i thought split was was really good and like oh, the split at the end that we kind of like spoiled already but i remember like seeing that split and like freaking out or that uh the twist at the end and just like freaking out and that's what the film does so well is that you never you never know where it's going to go. And then when it does get to that moment and it goes there, like what you were saying about the ritual, Matt, it's like it, it, it holds off the crazy for a certain amount of time. And then once it does it, it's the best kind of crazy. You're just like, holy fuck, holy fuck, holy. 
oh my god dude for real <laughs> like you just can't believe it and the mil- the film just does such a good job to me it everything about it is great that's why i feel like i i haven't seen uh glass yet but i feel like they there's like so many things that they could have done instead of having them locked up in a mental institution they no see that's not bad trust me the way the film goes about it it works it, it's great it works and then they even give you what you want which is you know what you saw in the trailer which was uh james mcavoy's character versus bruce willis's character but that should have been paid off like you're you're building up this expectation just go ahead and pay it off it's it's wor- the glass film, is worth it just for james mcavoy alone like he does great in split yes. but oh my god just handling all these different roles yeah back and exactly. forth for the whole time like jesus what a master class yeah. acting no, he's Isn't terrific. It, like weird, whatever you see those performances, and then you're like, okay, he deserves an Oscar nom, but <laughs> I don't think it ever happens. Instead, hmm. like we'll have somebody in some like random drama that maybe cries a little bit and shows emotion. <laughs> Fucking Jeez. Green Book will win. <sighs> like one of those where it's like you'll you'll have somebody like uh, what Robert De Niro in Silver Lining Playbook getting them getting the nom. Where it's like, oh yeah, yeah he's angry. Yeah, people are crazy about know, that movie. No, the best performance was, um, oh my god, Tony Collette in Hereditary. She just blew it away, but that she wasn't was even nominated. She wasn't even nominated. That's why I was surprised when you said earlier that that person from uh, God, The Exorcist, yeah, got nominated. Even you though, I'm like, what horror people yeah, getting nominated? I know that is unusual. You have to. But there's 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 levels to this. Perfect example is like uh, The Exorcist. It wasn't nominated for too many things, but it had so many technical achievements. And then also you have to remember William Friedkin had made documentaries that had gotten Oscar nominations and he had made The French Connection. So when he was going to make uh, The Exorcist, he had a certain pedigree. So that's why you could then have Linda Blair be nominated. You could also have it. I think it was nominated for Best Picture. It could be full of shit. But um, I know it, it got a lot of... Yeah, and I know it won for for a tech award. I think either in like sound mixing, sound editing, um, which it rightfully deserved. But there's levels to this. Same thing with uh, Silence of the Lambs. Like you have to dress a horror film up in all of these other genre specifics and give it Jonathan Demme and Anthony Hopkins and everybody in order for a horror film, which is what Silence of the Lambs is, to actually get that like recognition. Silence of the Lambs is like its own different animal. No pun intended. <laughs> no, I understand. I do. I get it. But to me, it, it's still I haven't a horror seen that movie. one either. It's oh my god, Zach, you're killing me. <laughs> I, in tax defense, I haven't seen it. It really shows how much we know about movies. You're oh like, god. hey, let's put together a whole list of forty horror movies that we're just gonna round robin talk about on an episode and expect. Yeah, and us I know. Not I have seen them all. <laughs> And this is the one area of my life where I feel like I do get pretentious with people. So I'm sorry because I remember just to give you guys an idea, my audience, I like Jet Li. I do. I like his films. I love, I love Jet Li as a, as a martial artist and as an action film star. And I remember they said, Jet Li's made 75 films. I said, really? Let me go look. And I looked. I've seen 72 out of the 75. <laughs> Fuck me! <laughs> and I, and it's, I was just surprised. I was just like, "Wow, yeah, I've seen those." It was one of the three movies, Cradle to the Grave, that you didn't see? Uh yeah, but I've also seen <laughs> Legend of the Red Dragon. I've saw, I've saw the well, the American. No, I said that you didn't see. No, I did, no, no. I saw all. Of, I saw all of those. You saw Cradle to the Grave. 
The only one I haven't seen that out of the three out of the 75, the three that I haven't seen are like ones that he made that I have never been able to get like a copy of, which is like Shaolin Temple. I think there was some some um, some obscure ones he was making when he was like literally a teenager, like when they, mm. you know, when they first got him. So that's why. But everything else, no, I've seen it. I feel like with Jet Li, there's to the point where <laughs> the horror movie podcast. I was using it as an example. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I feel like they're at the point where they're just like using him. Like, oh, Jet Li is in this movie. Like, it could just be like some random like shitty American studio movie, and it's like, wasn't there like one movie where it's like. They just like threw them in. Well, maybe, probably. but the thing maybe, is, like, I'll probably talk about that on another podcast episode because I, right now we yeah, gotta talk about. Yeah, I know. Episode. I'm sorry. We're just stop the great. Not Jet spin the Lee wheel. Movie show. Now. <laughs> uh, 26, which I think we already did. It's green room. Yeah, we already did that one. Uh, oh man, 14, I was hoping for it follows again. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it, but Doctor Sleep. Why don't you want to talk about it? That's an amazing movie. I haven't seen it. it. We can skip it if no no one's seen it. All right, let me just talk to you guys about one thing about that movie, please. And it doesn't have anything to do with the plot, I promise you. It's just a random scene in the film that still fucks with me to this day. Do it. And and this is why I love horror movies because someone named Mike Flanagan thought, this is going to keep Will awake at night. This is what's going to fuck with him and give him nightmares. And there's not a lot of things that get me. And the thing is, this blood and gore and monsters and shit doesn't really get me. But what does get me is like the guilt and the the actions that you've made sneaking up on you and then actually having like a consequence where you'd see your consequences made real realized. And what I'm talking about is Danny. If you guys don't know the plot is in Doctor Sleep, Doc, Danny, the little boy has grown up. He's an adult now, played by Ewan McGregor. And he has to save this little girl from this band of like supernatural people who take the steam from children like they do kill these children and take their steam to live forever that's the whole plot and that's it's not necessarily played out played out in the trailer but i promise you not too big of a spoiler promise you you figure that out in like the first 20 minutes but also within the first like 20 minutes you see where danny's been in his life which is he's been a drunk just like his dad and you find out the reason why he's been a drunk is because it's the only thing that dulls his psychic ability like he doesn't want to see dead people anymore he doesn't want to keep doing it all of his life so he becomes a drunk and he spends a night with this girl and you know does something really stupid and wakes up with her one morning and she's clearly vomited on the bed Nothing to that, right? He he hasn't checked her pulse. We don't know if she's dead or not. But the, the situation doesn't call for her being dead. Um, but she's got a baby in, in her apartment. He's like, oh, fuck. Uh. So he sneaks out. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase that when he sneaks out. and But this fucks with him that he left like her baby there like on the bed with her and stuff. And it's bothering him. And he stopped using, and which means now he's getting his powers back. And once you know, one night he's sleeping in this bed. And a fucking dead person's hand just grabs his arm and he freaks out and he rolls out of the bed. And that's the girl that he left there. And it fucks with me so bad because she just says these words, dude. And it still fucks with me. She just goes, they haven't found us. They haven't found us yet. You would have thought somebody would. What did she say? She says, I usually, you know, I usually help him make sure he's okay. Um, He was crying, but still they haven't found us. Nobody knows where we, no one knows we're dead. And then it's the dead child that you saw, but she's holding it, and it's it freaks me the fuck out. And I was just like, "Fuck me, dude!" <laughs> I just remember, like, I was. I just turned to Kayla when we were there. I was just like, "Babe, this is really gonna, this is gonna mess with me." 
Like I don't do dead babies, man. I don't do that. And then like it's worse because it's I don't know. To me, in my mind, like when horror movies can tap into like just enough realism to where we yeah. know there are people like people who just make mistakes in life and you just there's no give backs. There's no take backs. There's no do overs. And this girl made a mistake. Something happened. And <laughs> they the, the words they haven't found us yet just fucked with me. I was like, ah, so anyway, that's it. <laughs> Matt, spin that wheel. <laughs> 10 which is Dracula we already talked about it yeah we did we talked about it well I did 1 which is it already talked about it 29 I think that's the first Blake movie Ah, I think Reanimator oh Reanimator yeah hell yeah HP Lovecraft that's one of my favorite and that what I love about it is that it doesn't take itself like super seriously. Like it, even though they're uh, adapting Lovecraft and they're making like a horror movie, there is there's a lot of like comedic elements to it that actually play really well. There's a lot of horror comedy that I feel is shake. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is supposed to be funny, and that's just kind of a fucking mess to me. But Reanimator, I thought played it it so well, and it because they don't take it too seriously, it lets them do fucking crazy shit like having a decapitated head like eat this girl out on an operating table and like it makes sense within the context of the film and that that just blows my mind for how crazy it is all the weird effects going into it that's just such that's such a fun horror movie that's what i give it so much credit because like you can just put that on with a group of you know people you're hanging out with and you can just get drunk and watch reanimator and cheer and clap and scream at it (laughs) <laughs> good call good call i feel like was that made around the same time as uh evil dead 2 yeah uh, yeah because i think reanimator was like 81 82 or something like that and evil dead 2 right. would have been early 80s okay, okay. so yeah they would have been they would have been kind of and the evil dead series that's another if that same kind of thing where it doesn't take itself too seriously especially evil dead 2 really lets itself go in an army of darkness way over the edge so I, I love those were some of the early like, horror movies when I was a kid was Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness that really helped like okay. solidify me into loving that stuff and so animators kind of right along there in those in those terms. Nice. Hey Matt, how about like uh, what one more, two more? What what are we thinking, guys? I don't know. Yeah. I'm just spinning the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we can do. Hey, like, we got it again. More. 33 <laughs> that is the videodrome versus the fly yeah yes what a great what a great pair of movies to end on perfect yes oh we're ending <laughs> I, I mean right zach one more what oh uh, yeah one more sure <laughs> well, it, well what all right fine then do you Blake, want to, do we'll you, just dig in on these two, and then we'll give these two whatever movie they have actually seen, since apparently they haven't seen any of these movies. <laughs> no. Have you seen The Fly or Videodrome at all? No. No. Oh, you guys oh, got to at least watch The Fly. I know, I know of The Fly, I, and I've seen say the Simpsons parody. All right. All I'll say is this. <laughs> Pure, just straight-off-the-bone, delicious Cronenberg, baby. <laughs> just Cronenberg doing Cronenberg shit, right? The folly of man, the yeah. the fucking dangers of technology, literally consuming us, destroying our bodies. It's fucking great. 
both of these movies. Like they actually would be perfect movies to watch like for a, uh, like a grindhouse kind of double feature because mm. it's just, it's the same shit warmed over, man, but it's done so well. It's like just when fucking Scorsese made, you know, Goodfellas and he made Casino. It's like, ah, yeah, yeah. it's a perfect. Oh, it's so good. I love that. I feel like the fly is able to maintain more sort of widespread oh, appeal. No. I think that's what, and so many more people have well, heard because, of it. Because the love story in it. I mean, really, let's be honest. It's because it's a monster movie, but it's got a really good heart in and it. And you have and Jeff Gina Goldblum. David. Yeah, Jeff yeah. Goldblum. Let's be honest. Yeah, you have Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff go ahead. Goldblum. I feel like Jane, Gina Davis's character really kind of makes the film have that anchor, that emotional anchor, and it's and it's so great. And her nightmare of like, fucking. But also, just from a, a a plot perspective, you have the fly, which it's sort of easy to follow. You have this scientist who's working on something. Something goes wrong, and there are horrific consequences to it. No matter yeah, what part you throw in, that's the straightforwardness of it. Videodrome is so fucking crazy, and every like twenty minutes, there's a new uh, like weird angle to it. Like, oh, now they're in a church uh, where people are staring at television. Oh, but it's all because of this weird eyeglass company. What the fuck is going on? Oh my god, why are there videotapes uh, in his in his skin? What's they, happening? They know, they know, Once again, like it's not just crazy just to be crazy, right? It's like, oh, come watch some fucked up shit. Like I said, like. <laughs> about that weird french movie martyrs fuck that movie all right because <laughs> like you're just doing fucked up shit just do fucked up shit i don't like mm. it but like when you're watching videodrome there's a purpose to it because it is once again it is a very smart movie about the social anxieties of people just losing their identity becoming kind of this mass that's just watching shit like it, you could say it's about you know oh everyone's getting glued to the tv all the stuff i get it but also it's it's more than that it's almost like a precursor to what how we consume social media and how suddenly we literally are being consumed by the technology and it's fucking like it just becomes like think of this huge dopamine fix to where literally like your body is like tetsuo from the end of fucking Oculus yes. shit I mean, it's in general, because obviously it you know predates really the internet exploding to where it is predates predates social media. But people forget that um, main or um, not mainstream, but um, mass media entertainment is in and of itself a a, a new thing. You know, it's 20th century yeah. when you get televisions, when you get like mass radio stuff like that, and we're still kind of really being able to look and develop like. How do human brains and human societies deal with suddenly just this vast processing of information all the time? And in the 80s, you know, the proliferation of home televisions everywhere was only growing and growing. And I do, but I do think it easily because, like you said, they could have copped out and just been like, ah, TVs are evil. But you actually have the Church of the Cathode Ray, not necessarily an evil organization. You have the head of it. It, preaching that you know this new mass consumption thing is going to be able to set people free if you can utilize it the right way and understand what you're doing you are correct and it's huh. it's a very well-made film and the script is even good it still holds up to me it does Agreed. Again, it's not just it's not just weird stuff is happening for any weird reason it's it has a lot to say about just we as human beings how we communicate and and what our anxieties are but it's done in a very grotesque weird way and it's it's brilliant for it this is why i love horror this is why i will get super passionate about really good horror movies all right go ahead matt zach i want to hear go don't even do a random whatever just pick a movie that you guys have seen so that you guys i want to hear your thoughts um, on some of these spin the wheel matt <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of any of the ones on the list that i've actually seen I've Nobody seen can Evil see Dead. the list but me. 
Oh. <laughs> well, I know I've seen Evil Dead, so we can talk about that. Go well, for I it. I haven't seen it, Zach. You are? Are you serious? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Evil Dead. So Evil Dead's pretty cool. Evil Dead 2, I feel like, is not as cool because I felt like it was just Evil Dead 1, but like a little different, which is basically what it was. I think that's what it was. Yeah, it's like he finally had, he didn't have money when he made Evil Dead 1, and then he got money for Evil Dead 2. I was like, let's kind of rehash it, but let's, let's make it better. Well, he also decided, yeah, when he made Evil Dead 2, Sam Raimi literally was doing that whole thing where you go meta, where he's going, most horror movies, their sequels are just remakes of the first, but mm. just glossed over. No, I'm literally just going to remake my shit. Like, I'm not yeah. going to let anybody else do it. I'm just going to do it. Which, that's I mean, that's great. fine. But, like, going into watching Evil Dead 2, I was expecting a t- continuation of the story. And then halfway through, it was like, oh, well, I was expecting a continuation of the story. So then I was just <laughs> kind of you know, like a little put off. (laughs) But Evil Dead, go on. Yeah, so it's really cool. This was one of those where, what, it was made in like two weeks or something? Yeah. That they shot it. He just like grabbed it in true indie film fashion. Sam Raimi just like grabbed some of his buddies and made a fucking movie in a shack. And there's that really cool motorcycle shot where the camera's just like hanging on the back of the motorcycle and they drive through the freaking uh, what's it called? The cabin. That's it. That famous shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a terrific shot. But also oh, yeah. like we we have to say it. We have to do it. This movie kind of fucked me up because I did see Evil Dead before I saw Evil Dead 2. And um this this movie also it takes the cake when Went. Let's just oh, see. I'm tr- I'm having trouble saying, it, but we've already talked about some fucked up shit. Tree rape, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, <laughs> I was looking on the Google page, and it says that it's still banned in some countries because of that. It's just to me when I was I I was way too young to be watching this. I had to have been about ten or eleven, and it's just once again why? Because my parents had a really good VHS collection, and my mom worked a lot, and whatever. So I just got to do these things. I don't know. And okay. <laughs> I just I just remember, man, I was going, that tree's getting a little frisky. And then like like a bullet shot, that stick just goes right between her legs. You're just like, oh fuck me. <laughs> Whoa, that's uh that's a little intense. <laughs> and then she's the first one possessed, and it was weird, and oh man, it was great. I do, I have to admit. I I to this day it there's literally movies that give you a bit of like not just horror, but also like creative energy and that's what the evil dead and evil dead 2 movie like that's what they both do for me as i'm just like these guys they really they exude creativity yeah dude like evil dead 1 to me is just super fucking like wow man that's so cool you're not he doesn't need a whole lot and it's like i don't know it's just it's super fun too like you just wish that you could be there when they were making it Although Bruce Campbell likes to say, even though Sam Raimi's his best friend, he kind of tortured him on set. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he had the he had the chainsaw hand in Evil Dead One, right? I I don't know if he did. No, yeah, I think I think he puts that on in two. Okay, I think so too. And that's pretty much all I gotta say. Also, fun fact: the Delta is in every Sam Raimi movie. <laughs> is it really now i gotta go back and yeah. like really watch because uh, uncle uncle ben drives it in spider-man that's right i remember <laughs> that yeah matt are there oh, any no. on the list that you've seen that you especially want to discuss 
Guys, want to talk about signs? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Did, Zach, did you say you have or haven't seen it? I haven't. I was going to watch it when I thought we were only doing a few movies. And then I realized, no, we're doing too many movies. <laughs> Two millions. Uh, what can we say about Signs, man? I will say this. Signs is a masterclass in like just letting you listen to shit. A lot of, once again, like horror movies seem to just want you to constantly be like ready for a jump scare. That's why like the sound goes out only like for one moment and then you hear something loud. Whereas mm-hmm. with signs, because the whole setup is there's a cornfield outside and you like it, you guys know what I'm talking about. The whole film is built on like, what's that over there? And it's like, like little things that build up yeah, these, these very little things. And I'll never get hmm. the, the scene that got me before anything. Everyone talks about Joaquin Phoenix watching the video. Yeah. Of like the that's scared party. the shit out of me as a kid. Right. And everyone got scared of that. But to me, like that wasn't as scary as when the girl, tells her dad there's a monster outside my window and you just kind of like how oh, there is a kid and he gets up looks out the window there it is on the barn <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> can i get a glass of water <laughs> oh dude and there's no music cue for that like there's just like a little like but it's not like a big you know like what you would normally huh. expect and it's just oh man or like at the end, when like they think they close off everything in the basement or whatever, and then there's like the cold shoot they're looking for, and then there's the thing's hand turns and grabs the kid. I was like, like once again, there's no music for that, so you're just watching. You're like, oh my fucking god, yeah. So, oh, man. that's just ah, perfect, perfect. Well done, well done, M Night Shyamalan, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love like the the part in the middle where they're talking about like if things happen for a reason or if people are just lucky or if it's just yes. Oh yeah. Entire, sent me that scene. Yeah. That, that whole entire thing was, is just amazing. Yes. Thank it's you, insane. Matt. Cause that's true. That's also one of the best things about the movie is that it, you, you don't have to be religious yeah. or to appreciate a movie that is just so full of sincerity and it just wants you to believe in something. And it, it is great. Like it's this terrifying movie. Well, I don't think it hard. even wants you to believe in something. It's just like showing somebody's like battle with something. Well, well, that's what I mean. Like I feel like it's a movie that just wants you to believe in what. Like what do you? You know what I mean? Like do you? All right, let's just go ahead and say that everything is just random. All right, cool. But I don't know if you believe everything's random and that helps you and you know gets you to where you are. I think good for you it's just i don't know it's a movie it's a very positive movie it's a very hopeful movie and that's all i meant is like i just feel like it it, it promotes you to be optimistic well, I, I just think um, that like people could take it as like if you want to just saying like oh yep see everything happens for a reason you got to believe in something uh, yeah, no coinc- because like how everything happens at the end yeah. but like I me, like I, I feel like you could watch a movie and be like, "Oh, yep, that's how it is on the story." That doesn't mean that it's right. real life. Yeah, and that's how I felt. I was like, I feel like it's just the story. While everything mm. happens for a reason and within the story, you can kind of carry those themes. And just be like, it'd be really cool to like have something that you believe in, not necessarily thinking like everything's just gonna work out because that's how it does. Everything happens for a reason. But by the end of the film, you definitely feel. I don't know. I just felt happier. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> like. 
love is real, man. <laughs> no, it's just because he was like so bitter the whole entire time. And you, oh, and yeah. you know that like, and it uh, like tells you why. And like everybody calls him father and he's like uh, no longer a part of the church. But yeah. But, I love talking about signs also because my family grew up around that area. So like my oh. mom likes to say every time that movie comes on, the, the pharmacy, that's a real pharmacy. Oh, um, yeah. My mom went there before that pizza shop. We've eaten pizza there. That's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. Are there aunt, any aliens? <laughs> <laughs> my aunt liked to drive out to uh, this little intersection there where they would have to drive to get to the set, the movie, you know, the actual house that was built on the, the college's property and stuff with the cornfields. And hmm. so she would just wait out there. She's like, I saw Mel Gibson today. <laughs> <laughs> Why does your mom okay, sound like some Southern belle when she's from Pennsylvania? <laughs> no, my mom's from North Carolina. Yeah, my oh, never mind. They all grew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, they all grew up in Pennsylvania, but like they were there. No, I'm sorry. They didn't grow up in Pennsylvania. They were like in their teens by the time they got to Pennsylvania. Never mind. Never oh. mind. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know it's weird. I always ask my mom all the time, like, how are you an Eagles fan, like a diehard Eagles fan, but you're from North Carolina? Why aren't you like a didn't Panthers have a Panthers fan? back then? Oh, look at you! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so horror movie podcast. We talked about horror movies and stuff. Zach, thank you so much for joining us on Red this episode. Is a really good movie. You guys should watch it. It's on uh, oh, yeah, Amazon yeah. Prime. Uh, That's right, Zach. I really enjoyed out. it. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> Thank you so much I for joining us. I'm trying to stop the spread of Hereditary in the movie. That's why we're not talking about it. Naked old people standing in doorways creeps me out. So that movie really got to me. <laughs> Loved it. Follows. <laughs> so did the random number generator. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, remember, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, and maybe we'll post updates on the maybe we'll at pay Great you. Showdown. This wow. has been the great spooky showdown. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I think somebody jumped on our feed. Oh my god, who is it? It's haunted. I'm scared. <laughs> it's not what you hear, it's what you don't hear. Yeah, oh, that scare you guys right there? Yeah. Can there. you guys even hear me? My thing isn't even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we are. Okay. Happy Halloween, everybody. Stay safe. Don't get COVID. And uh, yeah, see you. Uh, see you next week for the final episode fifteen of the Disney Bracket. Bye, everyone. This has been a nice throw production. Nice throw, Matt. <laughs>